Good morning, Mission Point family. Uh, I'm Pastor Jeff. I know many of you, some of you, I look forward to meeting face to face. It is so good to be with you this morning. And I'm just excited to be able to continue our study in the book of Romans 12. It's just been awesome to study uh, that chapter and to glean so many important biblical truths from that chapter. You know, Kondo mentioned uh, Romans chapter 12 is really a pivotal chapter in the whole book of Romans. He begins by saying this in verse 1. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And this chapter is just filled with ways that we are to live out our commitment to Jesus Christ. So again, so grateful that we've had a chance to study it. Well, I'm going to be looking at three verses as we continue through Romans chapter 12, verses 14, 15, and 16. And as I had a chance to really study that passage and reflect on it a lot, what really jumped out at me is that the Apostle Paul talks a great deal to us about how we need to relate to other people. You know, it's very interesting. Relationships are just such a vital part of our lives. But we don't relate to everybody in the same way, do we? I mean, we relate to our kids in one way, but we would relate to our boss in a different way. We relate to our best friend in a certain way, but maybe the hostess at the restaurant, we relate in a different way. That doesn't mean that we're a different person, but what that means is we understand that there are different needs in relationships. I think that's such a key thought. And so one of the things that I want us to look at as we look at these incredible three verses together is to see how to make the best of our relationships with other people. And in this passage, we see five different groups or categories of people. You know, as I was thinking about this, there's a question that came to my mind and I thought, wow, if I could ask this question of myself when I enter into a conversation with anybody, it would probably be a game changer. Here's the question. What does this person I'm interacting with, what does this person need from me at this time in our relationship? Let me say that again. What does this person that I'm interacting with need from me at this time? Now, that's a lot more than small talk in a conversation, though that has its place. And that's a whole lot better than me talking about me. But when I enter into a conversation with you and my commitment is, I wonder how I can be a blessing to her. I wonder as I listen to him, are there things that I can say that just really meet a need in his life at this time? And so as we look at these five different categories of people in these, in these verses in Romans chapter 12, I think some truths just jump out and really give us some clarity on the importance of listening well and then being able to speak words that edify, words that build up, words that even give life to the people that we're talking with. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 12 if you're not already there. And again, we'll be picking up in verse 14, just looking at three verses, 14, 15, and 16. And uh, you'll notice that the verses will also be on the screen. So here's the words of Romans 12, verses 14 through 16. 
The Apostle Paul writes, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So let's begin with that first verse, verse 14, where Paul writes, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, does that come natural to anybody? People who persecute us, we're told to bless them, to bless them, and to not curse them. You know, as I thought about this, I thought about how maybe you've been guilty of this. I certainly have, that I might be in the room with or walking toward or engage in a, a very brief conversation with someone I'm at odds with, somebody that maybe has deeply hurt me, somebody who has slandered me somebody that I have a lot of tension in my relationship with. The socially appropriate thing to do is to say something nice. Hi, how are you? And then as you walk away, when you hope they uh, cannot hear what you're mumbling under your breath, you might say something very, very different. And it's almost like the Apostle Paul is saying, you bless them, and then he says, and I mean don't curse them. Don't curse them behind their back. Don't curse them as you're walking away after you maybe have said the appropriate thing to them. And here he's talking about people who persecute us. You know, I, I was thinking also about the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. You talk about our ultimate example of blessing his persecutors. Many of you remember in the Beatitudes over in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, here's what our Lord said. He said, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Here's some words. Here's a verse that is just so powerful. Think of Jesus on the cross. He had just been nailed to the cross. He was being crucified in agony just before he would give his life for the sins of the world. And Jesus, Jesus uttered these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, the, the Apostle Paul also knew what it was like to be persecuted. All you have to do is read the book of Acts. And over and over again, as Paul traveled to different cities to preach the gospel, often he was persecuted, he was beaten. And so the Apostle Paul knew something of being persecuted. In fact, in Acts chapter 9, those first few verses, we read about the testimony, the conversion of the, the Apostle Paul as he was riding his horse on the road to Damascus. Listen to these words, Acts chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. It says, he, referring to, he was called Saul then, he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he said. Think with me about this for a moment. The Apostle Paul is giving this command, this exhortation, that we need to bless our 
persecutors. And the Apostle Paul knew what it was like to be persecuted for preaching Christ. Yet the Apostle Paul, before he was saved, before he was converted, was a persecutor himself. And even though the Apostle Paul had been forgiven by the, the blood of Jesus Christ, as you read the epistles that he wrote, you'll see throughout those epistles, he still talked about his remorse, his regret, his shame even, of being a persecutor of the church of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Later we read that the Apostle Paul was a persecutor because he was zealous for Judaism. He thought the church, he thought Christianity was false. And out of his zeal, he was trying to persecute it. So he was, he was blind. He didn't understand. And then he came to see and understand. So here's, here's my first thought. Again, five different categories. We're talking about the persecutors, first of all. How should we relate to them? And I believe that we need to have compassion on them. We need to have compassion on them. Jesus said, for they know not what they do. It was John Newton who wrote maybe the greatest hymn of all time, Amazing Grace where he said, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. So you see, my friends, the reason why we can bless and not curse those who persecute us is because they are lost. They're blind. They don't understand truth. So I was thinking... What's a phrase? What's something that we should think and even say to a persecutor? And here's what I came up with. I will not despise or hate you because I know you're lost and you need a savior. Well, Paul moves on to relate to our, from relating to our, the persecutors to a whole other category of people. And this is found in the first part of verse 15. I love this. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. I love this. You know, one thing I found, maybe this is true with you. When you have some great news, when you have some amazing news, and you desperately want to share it, who do you seek out? You seek out the rejoicers, don't you? Because you want to go and you want to share your incredible news with somebody and you want them to scream with you and you want them to jump around with you and you want them to party with you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And I know that I do and maybe you do. I seek out the people who I know are going to be so excited with me about the goodness of God in my life, about the blessing of God in my life. And you know, here's my question. Does that describe you? Does that describe me? Why do you think we would be commanded to rejoice with those who rejoice? Well, here's a thought. Maybe sometimes we don't rejoice with people who are experience, experiencing God's rich blessing. 
or some kind of prosperity in their lives or some great success in their lives. Maybe we secretly are not rejoicing. Why? Because we're envious of them. Because we might be jealous of them. Do you know Paul said love is not envious? Love does not boast. Love always wishes the best for others. Unfortunately, I think part of our sin nature, and it sure is sinful, is when somebody has been blessed by God and they're rejoicing and we refuse to rejoice with them because of our own jealousy, because we wish that blessing was ours, not theirs. And we need to ask forgiveness when that happens. Are you rejoicing with people who are experiencing God's rich blessing? So what do we do with the rejoicers? We celebrate. We celebrate with them. That's what we do. And here's what we say to them when we can share with them. I will not wish ill of you, but I am celebrating with you your success. I will not wish ill of you, but I am celebrating with you your success. Well, there's another category. It's interesting. It's almost like the other side of the coin uh, in verse 15. Along with rejoicing with those who rejoice, he goes on to say, mourn with those who mourn. We talk at Mission Point about the ministry of presence. That is such a beautiful concept and such a biblical concept. Presence means being there. Presence means showing up. Presence means checking in, checking in, especially when you know of a person, a family, a couple who are really hurting and going through something very, very difficult. You know, I know, I've talked to a lot of people, there are a lot of people who uh, deeply struggle with engaging somebody going through a time of grief, a time of loss, a time of pain, a time of depression. You know, I've heard things like that. It just feels so awkward for me to call her. It feels so uncomfortable for me to, to try to connect with him. I have no idea what to say. And then I hear people say things like this, and I worry so much that I'm going to say something wrong, that I'm going to say something that is more hurtful than helpful to them. I've heard this one as well. You know, I just, I don't know the Bible. I can't say anything biblically profound. I really don't know that. I, I I would feel tongue-tied, and I wouldn't even know how to pray if they asked me to pray for them. So I'm leaving that up to other people who are good at that. You know, there are people who are just gifted at that. And you know what? My friends, when we do that, we've made the worst possible choice. Because the best way to mourn with those who mourn is to just go and be with them. To go and be with them to stay away, to be silent, to say nothing is really hurtful. We need to learn to mourn with those who mourn. And there are many people who are gifted and do it so beautifully and seemingly so naturally, and there are others of us who have a long way to go in this area. You know, I want to share with you, I could not be more excited about a new ministry that we're launching at Mission Point. We are literally launching it right now. It's called Stephen Ministry. And the whole purpose of Stephen Ministry is they're called a ministry of presence. 
There are a number of us who went through some significant training over the last several months. And Stephen Ministry is a person who's been trained, being connected to another individual who's going through a time of, of loss, a time of grief or pain. That person's called the care receiver. And they commit to meet for an hour for what ends up being months, maybe even as long as two years. In the ministry of a Stephen minister, it's a beautiful thing, is to listen, is to show up, is to weep, is to rejoice, is to pray for their caregiver. And we are just so excited that God has a team of people who've been trained who are ready to go to engage in that ministry. And we pray and hope that we'll be starting another training uh, first of 2021 to get a whole nother group of people to engage in that ministry. So our third group, the mourners, here's what we do with them. We cry with them. We cry with them. As you know, other translations say weep with those who weep. And there's something very beautiful about that. So here's, here's our, our phrase or our sentence that we would share with our mourners. I will never ignore or minimize your pain. I want to say that again. I will never ignore or minimize your pain. May God give us a, an army at Mission Point of people who do that well. Okay, well, I'm going to continue into verse 16. Again, this is a power-packed verse. Verse 16 goes on to say, Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. I want to talk a little bit about, little bit about this Greek word translated here, harmony. It's the idea of being of one mind. Uh, we might say being on the same page. That's the idea. And when I share that, what does that sound like to you? That sounds like unity, doesn't it? Being of one mind. I thought about that definition quite a bit. How can you and I be of one mind? Here's the key. We listen to each other respectfully. We listen to each other intently. We listen to each other without interrupting. We listen to each other without defending ourselves first. That's how we do it. Being of one mind. I don't think you and I can live in harmony with one another if we don't learn about each other, if we don't listen to each other, if we aren't respectful and kind even when we don't agree live in harmony with one another. So our fourth group is simply, I'm calling them fellow believers. One another refers to fellow believers. And here's what we do with each other. In every way, we collaborate with each other. We collaborate. We work together. We work in unison with one another. And here's the phrase that I would use with, with my brothers and sisters. I will pursue unity and extend grace to you over my own preferences. I want to say that again because it's not easy. I will pursue unity and extend grace to you over my own preferences. 
There's so many beautiful passages in Scripture that reflect that sentiment, isn't there? Well, let's look at the next part of verse 16. And it goes on to say, Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Translated, don't seek to sit at the table of the powerful and the popular. That's my translation, by the way. Don't seek to sit at the table of the powerful and the popular. You know, we start thinking about that when we're kids. We want to hang out with the popular kids. We want to sit at the popular kids' table. We want to hang out with people that uh, seem important to us. And that starts even when we're children. And, in, and in, for many, never ends, never quits. And that's not at all what the verse says. Be willing to associate with people of low position is how the NIV translated, translates it for us. You know, I, um, I just think it's so important. And I, this is something that Kathy and I love about our church. Our church has a heart for the needy and the vulnerable. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Hang out with the needy. Spend time with the vulnerable. Engage them. Love them. Learn to serve them. That's what this command is all about. It's called humility. It's called being a servant. It's called being the hands and feet of Jesus to people in need. And that's so much who I know we at Mission Point want to be. It doesn't come naturally, but it's so very important. So this category referred to as though of low position, here's our commitment to them. We want to champion them. We want to champion them. And here's my words that I would share. I will promote your greatest good even when it requires personal sacrifice on my part. I want to say that again. I will promote your greatest good, even when it requires personal sacrifice on my part. Paul says in the very last part, verse 16. I mean, it just doesn't get any more straightforward, direct, blunt, in your face, really good. Here's what he says. Do not be conceited. Do not be conceited. That's what he says. That's the last sentence of verse 16. Here, here's what this means. I, I just, it's such a beautiful uh, rendering in the original language in the Greek. It says, do not be wise in your own estimation. Here's another way to say it. Don't think you're the smartest person in the room. Do not be conceited. And you know, as I think about that, it's like, that's the summary statement. That's Paul after he shares all of these other truths about these five categories of people. That's Paul saying, okay, let me make it simple. Let me just summarize in a very concise way. Don't be conceited. Don't be all about yourself. 
in all these relationships, it's about how can I provide for you and encourage your greatest good. That's what these verses are about, my friends. And that's the best way to engage relationships with all different kinds of people, every kind of people, person in our life. Don't be conceited. Walk in humility. Can you imagine what a blessing it would be if we all put that, those lenses on that answered that question, what does this person need from me at this time in our relationship? In fact, my friends, I would encourage that to be your prayer. You know, hey, I'm going to go have coffee with my good friend or I have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to visit a couple. They've asked us over for dinner. And Lord, as we walk in that front door, as we greet them, and as we sit down and begin to engage the evening, I want to know how I can bless them in the words that I share. I want to know how I can serve them like Jesus would serve them. I'm looking forward to uh, next week as we finish up Romans chapter 12. I'll just give you just a teeny little precursor, uh, a little hint about what the next passage is about. It's about vengeance. God says it's his. It's not ours. It's about forgiveness. It's about realizing that good overcomes evil. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your word. It is so challenging, yet it is so beautiful. And Father, we are reminded over and over that you have given us your word, not just to fill our heads, not to make us knowledgeable biblically, but to transform our lives. And we want to be changed. And Father, even as I have reviewed this passage and these different categories of people, you know how much I need your help. Bless those who persecute us. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony and unity, even with brothers and sisters when we really disagree with them. Father, this is what you've called us to. And we know that there's nothing more important to, to you than relationships. Even the great commandment, love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, is about our relationship with you. And loving our neighbor as ourself is all about relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, and with a needy, needy world who needs to know your love. So, Father, help us. Help us in our relationships with everybody we come in contact with, that they would see you in the beauty of Christ in us. And we pray in his name and for his glory. Amen.